Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Okay, so this morning we're going to be looking at the empty tomb. Who is glad that the tomb is empty that Jesus was laid in? I am so glad that that it's empty. And this morning, like Andy says, you can't sing, but I want to tell you, you can talk me down. You can say that's good. You can say amen. I would encourage that. There is life in the house of God today, isn't there? So John 20, 20, it's a big piece of scripture, but we love the Bible here, don't we? says this, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. This is funny just because John is talking about himself, he's writing about himself. It's pretty funny. Um, so uh, the, the one he loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. Who knows that Simon Peter was an activist? He's um, straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first went inside. He saw and believed. They still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. That's in brackets. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body has been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise It was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? (laughs) Thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I am going to get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out. In Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, don't hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things. What an amazing passage of Scripture. Now we're going to come back to that in a second. But has anyone here, you've had a case of mistaken identity? You've got someone's identity wrong, yeah? I do this uh, quite a bit. I probably am more akin to like a Peter-type character. Sometimes, unfortunately, I, uh, I act first and think second, which can tend to get me into trouble. I'm trying to get better. 
but that is who I am. Now, I'm a pro at mistaking people's identity. Now, in my business um, life, I do a lot of sort of meetings with people, meeting people for the first time or meeting for coffee or, or whatever it may be. And just a few years ago, I, uh, I was at this work event and I saw this guy who I'd met for the first time a few weeks earlier. We'd had a, a coffee together. It was great. We'd, we'd really got on. We really resonated with each other. We just had a brilliant time together. Seemed like a good guy. So fast forward a few weeks, I'm at this event and here is the same guy. So I, I went up to him, I struck up a conversation. It's so good to see you, how you doing? Like, how's work been? Has it been okay? And it was really weird because he was like being really standoffish. He was being, he's been like, I was thinking this guy's actually rude. Like he's, this guy's quite rude. I thought we got on well, obviously. He doesn't want to know about me today. So I, I took the hint and said, look, um, it was great to have coffee. Why don't we catch, get a coffee again another time? To which he says, we haven't had coffee before. I think this guy's not just rude, he's stupid. <laughs> he's got no idea. He's, he's got a selective memory or something. And he said, look, I have got a twin brother and you must have met my twin brother. And I said, no, you're definitely wrong. I met you. No, no I'm joking. Mistaken identity. Another time I was working in a coffee shop and, and one of the ladies I'd not seen for quite a while who worked in the, in, in the food court where our coffee shop was. She'd not been around for a while. I said, oh, it's great to see you. How are you doing? Not seen you for ages. She said, oh yeah, I'm just helping out while on maternity leave. And I said, oh great. When's the baby due? And that was a mistake because she had the baby a year earlier. Um, mistaken identity. Now, I might have some good illustrations of my life doing this, but there are none to rival Mary's case of mistaken identity here. I, I love this. Verse 15, he asked a woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Listen to this. Thinking... He was the gardener. <laughs> she said, sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will go and get him. I mean, come on, I, I know you're grieving, Mary, but to mistake Jesus like the God of heaven and earth, the one who set you free, the one who you've walked to, with, to mistake him for the gardener, like what is the problem? And not only does she mistake him for the gardener, she also gives him attitude. She's like, look, it's not funny. I don't like what you're doing. If you've moved Jesus, just tell me where he is. I love it. I love the directness. I love that she's so focused on seeing it. See, she's one of Jesus' closest followers. She'd been through Jesus. She's been with Jesus through a lot. She'd experienced firsthand his mercy and his grace. Now, we don't know loads about Mary Magdalene, but we do know this. Before she met Jesus, she was a mess. I mean, you could make a case for Mary Magdalene being one of Jesus' most dedicated followers, and she didn't recognise him. I think this shows you the mentality of the Jesus followers at this moment. She wasn't going to see if Jesus was alive. She was going to decorate his burial place. And where were the other disciples? Where was everyone else? Because 
I don't see the guys there until Mary fetches Peter and John because they had given up. There wasn't hope. They were lost in this moment. They thought it was over. They were confused because they believed he was the Messiah and the best three years of their lives had just come to an abrupt end as Jesus died on the cross. I bet they were ridiculed by those around them as people deserted the way. I mean, just imagine they travelled with Jesus. They'd seen the miracles. They'd seen him open blind eyes, make deaf ears hear. They'd seen him walk on water, feed the 5,000. They'd laugh together, cry together, live life together. And all in a few days, over. Game over. There wasn't expectation. They were filled with dejection until Jesus appears to Mary. But she's so convinced that Jesus is gone. She's so wrapped up in her emotions that she doesn't even recognise him. But all he has to do is call her name, Mary. And she breaks down, Rabbi, Rabbani, means teacher, because she recognises, here he is, Jesus stands in front of me. He is raised as he said he would. You know, sometimes we get so confused in our own lives. Sometimes we lose such a sight of what God's got for us that we, don't, that we, we confuse Jesus for all different things. And today, just like, it's funny how it ties together, just like we were saying about restoring the joy of his salvation, sometimes Jesus is just waiting to whisper your name into your heart. I'm calling you back. Mary, she breaks down. See, if Jesus had remained in that grave, we'd be wasting our time this morning. It would purely be a waste of time. We'd be religiously tipping our caps to a man who once lived a good life. But because he rose again, we don't come to religiously tip our caps We come to celebrate the freedom that he bought for us and won for us on the cross. We come to celebrate what he has done, what he is doing and what he's going to do because he rose from the grave. See, because of the empty tomb, we have a new start. Because of the empty tomb, there is freedom in this house today. Because of the empty tomb, we can live a relationship with the God of heaven and earth. Is there anybody who's happy this morning that that tomb, you can walk into it and it's still empty to this day? He's alive. And in these remaining moments we have, I want to look at Mary Magdalene and Peter in this account. So we know that Mary Magdalene, before she met Jesus, she was a mess, like I said. In Luke 8, We see that Jesus set her free from demon possession. She was in a bad place. I think it's fair to speculate that physically and mentally, Mary had been through a lot. 
We don't know her past beyond this, but she sought out Jesus because she was bound and she wanted to be free. You know that the base place of a follower of Jesus is not captivity, but freedom. And sometimes we, we so lose our bearings that we actually live in captivity rather than freedom. There's so many Bible verses about freedom in God. I want you to know today that captivity is not where you're supposed to live your life from. You were called to live free. There's freedom in this place this morning. See, Mary's life had been transformed in a moment. And in the following years, like I said, she'd become one of his most loyal friends and followers, following him from time to time, walking with him, talking with him. He'd shown her a new path to tread, a new way to live as she observed how he lived in front of the crowds and also in the smaller gatherings. And all of a sudden, Jesus is arrested. He's beaten and executed in the most brutal of deaths. And a lot of Jesus' followers, the bravado of Peter, deserted Jesus. But not Mary. Not Mary. She was present at the cross. She was there until he breathed his last breath. And Mary's life is turned upside down because this man who they believed was the Messiah is gone. The community is scattered and are resigned to meeting secretly. Mary's afraid, but she's not afraid of getting arrested like the others. She's afraid that she's going to go back to what she was like before. I think the internal question that this woman is asking in this moment is, what am I going to do without Jesus? Because he's led her and he's guided her. He's taught her. We see that from a response, we see that in a response, Rabbi, teacher, she's so scared of being lost. Again, losing purpose, losing hope and losing the freedom which she now has. And I think she goes to his grave out of respect, honour, and maybe because she just wants to be with him one last time. But she gets to the grave and the stone's rolled away. She rushes to get Peter and John. They rush back and when they see him not there, they leave. But not Mary. She stays. She waits. Was this the glimmer of hope she was waiting for? Could he have risen like he said he would? So I think Mary's waiting there because she needs Jesus in her life. She can't live without him. She knows that she can't live as free, as purposeful without this man that she has followed. So with not much hope, she waits until he appears and speaks and she breaks down as she realises that he is alive. We then come to Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends. There was the 12, there was the three, which Peter was included in. And then people speculate that there was the one as well. But Peter was a central character 
It had gone from being a fisherman to being a central character in the story that changed the world. He was a talker. He was passionate. He was an act first and think later kind of guy. He loved Jesus. He had front row seats to the last three years of Jesus' life. They'd spent precious time together, seen miracles happen. Miracles had happened in Peter's hands. And here he was, broken and dejected. With all his bravado and passion, when push came to shove, he let Jesus down. And Jesus had said to Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter said, look, that's not me, Lord. Maybe the other guys, but not me. I will never desert you. But Jesus is arrested and hopefully you know how the story goes. Peter follows from a distance and he denies Jesus three times. He's scared for his life of what people might say, of what people might think. And he says, I don't know him. See, Peter's betrayed not just God in flesh, but also his closest friend. See, although Peter could be a bit thick like we can at times, he knew who Jesus was. Peter was the one who, when asked by Jesus, says, when Jesus said, who do you say I am? Peter was the one who said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And after denying Jesus, Peter is a mess. We see in Luke 22 that he wept bitterly. This is not just the sort of crying you do when a film's tugged on your heartstrings. This is the sob of someone who has completely and utterly compromised their character. To make it worse, Jesus is then crucified. When we come to John 20, I think Peter is depressed. He's betrayed Jesus and he knows it. He's messed up and wants a new start. He wants to say sorry. He wants to make it right with Jesus, but he can't because he's dead. I find it intriguing how Jesus says on the cross, he says, tell Peter and my disciples. Isn't that funny? Peter is so lost to a place where he's no longer considered a disciple. Tell Peter and my disciples. In verse 2, sorry, he's weighed down by what he's done, by his mistakes, by his past, until Mary burst through the door. Verse 2, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. Listen to this. They have taken, what faith? They had no idea. They, Jesus had been talking to them about this for three years. Still had no idea. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. It's like a crazy game of hide and seek. What a weird game of hide and seek that would be. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. See, Peter takes off at a sprint. He doesn't think. He just goes as fast as his feet can carry him. This is a desperate man. Is there a chance that Jesus can be risen? Can it be? 
With all he is, Peter's willing Jesus to be alive because he needs a new start. He needs to say sorry. He needs to be forgiven for what he's done in his past. He knows that he can't carry that weight, the hurt, the pain, his entire life. And he turns up to the tomb out of breath and Jesus isn't there. And I'm sure they speculate, but he walks away. We see that John believed, but at this point, I don't think Peter does. We know that because of where we see Peter next. In John 21, Peter has resigned himself to going back to the old way, to his old life. He's taken the guys fishing. It must have been game over for him. He has no purpose. He goes back to the old way. They fish him. Some of the other guys follow and they catch nothing. Now, Look, if you keep trying something and you're not very good, then just give up and try something else. We have two accounts of the guys trying to fish in the Bible and catching nothing. And uh, both times, obviously, they're, they're pretty rubbish fishermen. But a man appears on the shore and shouts, What have you caught? They say, Nothing. And the man says, Cast your nets on the other side. And they caught so many fish that they couldn't fit them in. I find it so funny that they didn't even pick up what Jesus was saying just from his phrase. They actually went on and cast the net on the other side. Because this echoes the call of Peter. Hopefully you know that. Cast your nets on the other side. And they caught so many fish that they couldn't lift them in. And they realise it's Jesus it's Jesus. Peter jumps into the water and sprints to Jesus. And there he is, raised from the dead. We don't know what's said in those moments, but I'm sure there is tears and there is joy as Jesus welcomes Peter again. And Peter lets the realisation sink in that Jesus is alive. The realisation that he can be forgiven. The realisation that he can be set free. The realisation that he can have a new start. All because the tomb is empty. The fact that Jesus is alive makes all of the difference. See, if he would have remained in that grave, there would have been no new start for Peter. He would have carried the weight of this mess his entire life. If Jesus hadn't raised from the grave, then Mary would have gone back to that old way of life where she was bound and empty. But because Jesus rose, Peter had a new start and Mary could live in the purpose and strength that Jesus gave. Today you might be sat here and you're thinking, I need a new start. I've messed up. You're like Peter. You've been carrying this weight of your life along for too long and it has stopped you entering in to all God's called you to. You say, Josh, you don't, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done, where I've been. And you're right, I don't. But Jesus does. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, going through the worst pain imaginable, he uttered these words. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. 
When he's being tortured to death, he prays for the very people who were causing him pain, the very people who put him on the cross. If Jesus can forgive them, he can forgive you. And he doesn't do it out of obligation. He does it out of love. For God so loved the world. He didn't say God liked the world or God had to or, or God, you know, Jesus wasn't like the moody teenager when you ask, ask them to take the bin out or that husband, hello. <laughs> God sent his son Jesus in love. It wasn't obligation. When he went to that cross, he went with you in mind and believers today. Please don't carry a weight that Jesus has already paid for. Please don't carry something that Jesus comes to take off of you. Please don't lug something behind you, dragging you down that Jesus has already set you free from. The Apostle Paul says, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. So do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. There's people here today, you're carrying on something, you're holding something on that Jesus has already dealt with. He defeated sin and death for you. Or you might be like Mary. You have no purpose. You're held back by an addiction or the past or your self-image and you feel empty. Jesus himself says in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Jesus went to the cross, not just to deal with your mess. He went to the cross so that you could live a life of purpose, a life of fulfillment, a life that makes a difference. And we don't do this in our strength, but we do it in his power at work within us. And because Jesus died, rose and conquered death because he is alive. He is here today and he can be the fuel for your life. He wants to be the driving force for the way you live. He wants to empower you to live a big life with him. And this isn't about trying really hard in your own strength. Come on, we've all tried to do that. Make ourselves right, make ourselves well. We know that it doesn't work. It's not about that. It's about coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I'm sorry, and I want to walk with you. The Apostle Paul again says, who's fenced you in? God's called you to a wide open space.